welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by me, Robbie Earle, and by my good friend, Kyle Skonawill. Kyle, there was a little bit of a break there for our, uh, our patrons, where Friends from Work was hosted only by Kyle Skonawill, and I enjoyed <laughs> that episode. It actually made me wonder what I'm even doing here, um, but, I am, but I am happy to be back. I'm happy to be back. Well, it never feels the same without you. That's a fact. So, <laughs> wow, thank you. I'm glad to have you back. But, dude, holy cow. Woo! I mean, there are episodes that I am excited to do, and then there are days like today where, for some reason, today I am rejuvenated about life. Like, I, I realized today that. that I can just go get it. I'm going to go get it. Life. I'm going to seize the moment, and I'm going to do it. And I am fired up right now. Like, I'm sweating. We just talked for an hour before hitting record about life. <laughs> I, I got, I'm i going to have to calm down because I know people won't want to listen to me be like this the whole episode. But I am – it's like I've done drugs I don't know. Tonight. They might. It's like I'm on speed. And I, I haven't <laughs> done anything, just to be clear. But I am really ready. Tonight. I took a break for this episode. Typically, I would have, but no. Um, I – have not well a couple couple quick things just because you and I have not gotten to talk as much as we normally do during the season we've both been super busy and there's been a ton of stuff happening content wise and so it's been whenever we have had time to talk we're often kind of diving straight in so I I texted you whenever I saw Morbius last week like right after we recorded oh I haven't um, even heard oh my gosh I haven't heard your thoughts on Morbius actually at all. I so so a couple things. I in the, in the past week I saw Morbius and I I rewatched for the first time the Batman and I'm not going to go into and okay. a ton of detail on either. Um, I do you plan to watch Morbius at some point? Yes, when it's free on okay. one of my streaming that, services. That that was my I I should I think I said this on the podcast. I did utilize our movie pass for that because I wanted to make sure that I didn't pay money myself i don't know how <laughs> right. all that works on the back end but um you got man, you I showed them right i'm so <laughs> i'm so curious to get your take on these after credit scenes which i know are available online i held off just because i was like that's the only that's the only thing that's going to like keep me going through this movie is the desire to see like just the curiosity even if it's like a rubbernecker like watch the car crash curiosity I still like wanted to see what it was and uh, hold on, hold I, on, hold on, hold on. I need to say, I don't know what they are yet. Nothing has been spoiled for me. So should I plug my, no, no, no right, right, right. Okay. okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I'm, so I'm not spoiling, but I, I'm just so curious to hear your thoughts on it because you are going to have some thoughts for sure. <laughs> some takes. Uh, yeah. And so I'm really, I'm, and then folks that have seen it, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, you can find me on the Slack or something and we can discuss this, but I, <laughs> it is, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, the direction that they're going and the way that it interact, it, it interacts with the MCU. I will say that. So, um, that's something that I think we will have to figure out a way to make peace with. Uh, but <laughs> I, that hate, aside, I hate that. You hate to hear it. I know. You hate to see it. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Morbius. I, I, I'm. I'm not even going to waste the time making the joke that Morbius is good, because okay. uh, <laughs> that's not man, what your go-to. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's so great. It's a masterpiece. 
but but I but I will say like the part of like Candace has has converted me a bit to just enjoying bad movies. Like I think there was something to be said. This oh, is no. Candace's theory, which which I think is actually fair. Hear me out. A movie that is like thirty percent or less is actually more fun to watch than a movie that's like sixty percent. Maybe 45 I think that that's or 50. True. 60, 60, there's occasionally some good films that are 60. Well, yeah, for sure. There are exceptions, but and like there are certain movies even that are like, like for we were talking about this on the Slack earlier this week, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is a movie that came out like almost 10 years ago now that I love that just got destroyed by critics. Yeah, why? Uh, we were talking about po- that. It's positive. It makes you feel <laughs> good, <laughs> so we got to hate true. it. Probably. All, the reason we were talking about it in the Slack is because Candace and I just finished the first season of Severance. Which okay, is, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't say anything here because I have decided I'm going to watch Severance. I saw a trailer and I'm like, this is my scene exactly, Robbie. Like oh, this, If you could excellent. design a show for Kyle, I think this is it. So I'm giving it a chance. I'm going to get Apple TV Plus and I'm watching Severance. So I don't want to hear too much about it because I'm going to do you know, it. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, all I was going to say about it is that Ben Stiller directs that series, or most of the episodes in that series, and that he also directed uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and that was all on the side to say sometimes those those percentages don't add up anyway, but I think Candace's point stands in that, like, a movie that's, like, maybe it's better to look at it in grades, a movie that's, like, a C is, like, you're watching it, and it's, like, oh, it's not terrible. I don't like it. So then it's like, you're not really feeling anything. You're just like, it's just happening to you. And then you leave and you're like, (laughs) okay, well, that's two hours. But when it's like a terrible movie, then it's like every choice that's made, you're like, holy cow, I didn't know that you could even do that in a movie. Like, I didn't (laughs) even know that you, (laughs) like, when you, like the first scene of Morbius is not giving anything away. They show a character and then the next scene, they fast forward like tw- literally 20 years and the character looks the exact same. <laughs> like they didn't even try. Like there was literally no difference to show like, okay, well, like we at least gave him a different haircut. It's like, nope, just exact same appearance. We're just all going to move forward. It's that like that the fake meme perfectly. of the before and after with the weight loss thing where the guy's just like sucking in. You've seen that photo. It's like the exact same. Right. <laughs> That's right. what that makes me think of. Oh, man. Anyway, I, I, it's here. I hear it's, your point. It's something. I hear your point, and I agree to an extent. But Suicide Squad, the first one, is not fun for me to watch. I don't get any enjoyment out of that much of a train wreck. So that's where I can't join you in Kansas. Yeah. I can't join you yeah. there. That's Sometimes fair. those that's, movies I, make me mad. I finish and I go, I just wasted two hours of my life that I'll never get back and I wish I could wipe my brain yeah. clean. <laughs> Morbius might, might might give you that feeling. Oh, no. There's a oh, high no. chance that Morbius gives you that feeling. What about your um, rerun of the Batman though? Yes. Uh, okay, I'm not going to go off on this because I could, but I I, enjoy, I mean, we had our review of this, and if you're listening to the podcast and just found us, you can go back a couple episodes and find that. Kyle and I both liked that movie a lot. Um, I think I liked it a little bit more than you even initially. And then on this rewatch, like, man, I... So I've been watching kind of slowly over the weekends like a Nolan Batman movie, like every other week or so. Um, 
So I've kind of got those fresh in mind, which was my goal because there was so much talk about which was which was better. And and I think I just I I stand by the fact that I mean the Dark Knight is just like an elite film and, and I'm I push back against anyone that wants to kind of retroactively tear that down or throw stones at it, um, which we talked about a lot in our episode. That said, man, I think this was just an excellent movie. Like it there's so like the, the second watch of this helped me like it gave me the opportunity to zero in on several different plot choices that like like we always say you just don't have the opportunity to to look at when you're just like watching it unfold and it's just such a like it's a a three-hour movie obviously so I feel like it's it's like feels a little silly to say that they made use of every single scene but I feel like they made use of every single scene. Like it's like, and yes, that the music like just hits even harder. Like Giacchino just crushed it and the tone and like the the performances are all great. Like the, the way that they brought this comic book feel to life in a way that like, I don't think any other, at least I don't think any other Batman movie has since like, maybe the Burton films, but even those were a totally different thing. I just thought like there were, there were so many elements like that it was hitting even on like a philosophical and political level that I don't think I gave it credit for that made me feel like it does, it does deserve some of the credit that's given to the, the dark Knight trilogy for doing the same thing, like for kind of telling a superhero story that's more than a superhero story. And the Bruce Wayne stuff that we talked about where it's like, maybe there wasn't enough Bruce Wayne, even that I just feel like, well, no, like the, the thing about this movie that was so unique and that I think they did so well is showing that like this version of Bruce Wayne is only Batman. Like when we see him as Bruce Wayne and like that, that's in that conversation with the Riddler where he's like, we know that like everyone wants to unmask us, but they're missing the point because like, this is who we really are. And the, that transformation and then like him choosing to save people over just being vengeance and just being out to, to basically like, instead of being against criminals, instead he's for the people of Gotham. Like it's such a, there were just so many moving, like really, really well-constructed moments that I came away being like, this is, this is a top tier superhero movie. I I think I'm curious to see how your rewatch goes, but I like, it moved up maybe a good like 10% for me, I think, on this last watch. <laughs> okay, four things. I do need to watch this movie again because I'm sure I would enjoy it just like you're you're saying. But one, you may need to do your own episode like I did going into the Batman because number two, <laughs> I love when you always say, I'm not going to get into this. And then you do five minutes getting into it. <laughs> like, like my whole episode but, was only 15 minutes anyway. So you can basically but I can get easily into do it. Like, <laughs> 55 minutes. I'm not going to get into it, but here we go. Here's an hour of me getting into it. And then that's not getting into it. Uh, third, did you know that I have, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. Did you know that I have like really good relative pitch? I was thinking about that while you're talking. What I mean by that is I don't have perfect pitch, but like I'm 99% sure that what I just sang is the actual key of Giacchino's theme. Like I, once I hear yeah, a song a in my head, I can only hear it in that key. So someone fact check me, play the song, and tell me if that was the exact same key. <laughs> Notes. 
It's pretty impressive. It's it's like a party trick I have. As someone that's played in a band with you, I I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> Anyways, I had to toot my own horn there. Um, and then my quick 30-second movie review is I watched Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright. Have you seen it? Oh, yes. And Candace and I, that was like one of our favorite movies of the year. Okay, so... Remember I said this, this should be a thing, right? Like quick 30-second reviews of movies that we saw. Um, right. I really, really liked it. I don't think it's one of the best movies of the year. I didn't think the plot was like anything about it was super original. It made me think of um, Secret Window. Do you remember that movie with Johnny Depp like 10 years ago? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Like a thriller of that level. Stephen Maybe King adaptation. Yeah. Um, but man, I do love thrillers. I, I love not knowing what's going to happen. Like that, those are my kinds of movies. And I thought it was creative in the time period and the locations in London and the mega twist, which I won't say out loud, right. wor- worked for me and was pretty cool. Um, just the right amount of scare, like not a horror movie, but creepy at times. So there you go. I, I would, I have not looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Have you, before you say that, I would say like my gut would say that was like a 77% for me. That's that's just tossing that out. That's what I would review it as. Okay. So anyways, okay. if you like that kind of movie, I think you should watch it. It's fun. It's entertaining for a night. I don't think it's going to change your life film-wise, but I think you would enjoy it. But again, it is a little creepy as wow. a disclaimer. So if you're not into that kind of thing, it gets a little bit creepy and does deal with some, you know, sensitive content. Um. 76% Kyle dead on. No way. No way. I swear. I didn't look that up. That's incredible. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, That's about exactly where I'd put it. I should specify, like I, I would have a different list of like the best movies of the year and my favorite movies of the year, which I know feels like a cop out, but that was just one that like, I don't like, I think there are other movies that did more interesting things probably and like deserve to be, like in like a top five list in terms of the way they maybe move the medium forward or, or like the performances. But I, in terms of just having fun watching a movie, sure. I did think that like Anya Taylor-Joy did an excellent job. I love Matt Smith, which is one of the funny things about Morbius is that he pops up there. Um, is that her a, friend, Matt Smith? Um, no, that's the, in Last Night in Soho, that's the guy that like quote unquote uh, like discovers her in the club initially and like he's going to manage her. Um, okay. 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 But I also just like Edgar Wright just makes fun movies to watch. Like, have you seen baby driver? Uh, I haven't seen baby driver yet. And I know that's another one. I need to add it to my list. I have a literal list and I'll add it because I think that's totally my scene as well from what I've heard. Right. Also Um, just an incredible cast. I would say it's probably 76 because it does everything very, very well. And it's very, very entertaining. So that's why it's, you know, basically a 95. But the reason it falls to 76 is just because I don't think if you just look at the story on paper, it's super revolutionary. The plot is not something we haven't seen before. That's all. It's still entertaining. Right. I'm just saying it's not like that was a game changer plot wise. Anyways, I liked it. On another note then too, well, first of all, it's massively thunderstorming outside. So if I lose power, I don't know what we're going to do, but that's what's going to happen. I can see lightning, like, just destroying my window. Um, I was going to also say, I think we've officially broken the trend, Rob, because we have now done two or three episodes where we talked about Thor and the trailer, and we didn't get the trailer. 
So we're broken. Something's happened to wow. us. Yeah. We no longer have a Thor trailer after doing the episode. What's wrong with us? For better or for worse, yeah. Um, although, I mean, so, we, yeah, we should talk about this for a second. And I, and I, and I want to hear your thoughts because we haven't really touched on it. Um, we should say that some stuff released or leaked or however you want to look at it um, from some like action figures and other merch that's starting to now trickle out. Which this this kind of stuff happened for No Way Home as well, and and for for Doctor Strange, like I think Strange Supreme was revealed a, a good bit before that character ever showed up in the trailer, and yeah. So I don't. Did you see any of this? Like these character designs that that were floating around Twitter from Thor? I did. I obviously do my best to avoid it when I start seeing that stuff, so I didn't like dive into it. Um, I know it's Same. been posted on our Slack too, and I usually kind of turn away when I see that stuff. But I think at this point, the no trailer thing is a thing. I'm trying to decide, is it intentional because they're trying to build hype this way by actually not doing anything? I think there's a chance that's possible. I also think there's a chance that because it's taken so long that something in Doctor Strange matters for Thor. I think there's a chance that they don't want to show huh. anything until we've seen Doctor Strange. Just saying. I, that, I, at this point, it's a thing, interesting. I think. I can, almost, I can yeah. almost guarantee you that we will be seeing the Thor trailer at the end of Doctor Strange like we did with Spider-Man. See, I would almost hope that we see it just as a trailer in front of Doctor Strange. I don't like, the, I don't like this trend of a trailer instead of a, instead a, of a stinger. Okay. Like... Just because it feels like a cop-out because it's like that's... And then it's just a... I don't know. It's like then it's available online and it just okay. feels like it kind of cheapens that experience. Well, either way, I think we might see it there. But then... Well, I guess not either way because what you're saying is we wouldn't have seen Doctor Strange yet. So then they wouldn't put it out yet. See, I, only yeah, think, I, mean, I think they only did that for Spider-Man because obviously of the nature of the multiversal thing. Right, right. And there and there it made sense. And I would say like if but it it's might a situation... Make sense here. It might make sense. Yeah, but but I guess I would prefer, like, I, I would prefer something like the the end credit scene to Doctor Strange. I've actually th thought about this, like my hierarchy of credit scenes, because there are different ways that Marvel's done it. Like, and they've done trailers before. Like, if you look back, I think the end credit scene to the first Avenger, to the first Captain America movie, is just the trailer for the Avengers. Um, and then you have oh, yeah. like the next rung down, the scenes that are just actual scenes from a movie that are pulled out, like the credit scene for Ant-Man being that interrogation scene from Civil War, mm. or like the credit scene from Doctor Strange being that scene from Ragnarok. Right. And that's like more fun, obviously, but always still like a little bit of a like, like I, I think the best for me is like the honestly like I think one of the best end credit scenes is the end credit scene from Captain Marvel where they're all watching the beeper and then turn around and Carol's there and it's like Cap still got the beard because it's actual new content which we never get again like we never get that scene again right and I think that that's there's like a thrill to that of like you have to have seen that to be able to piece the full narrative together. Now you could watch Endgame and 
have not seen that and they fill in the the dots. But my point is like I do have a hierarchy, but I would prefer sure. a scene from Thor Love and Thunder to just a trailer for Thor Love and Thunder, if that makes sense. I, I have clearly not put nearly as much thought into the credit scenes as you have. Off the top of my head, <laughs> another favorite is the fine, I'll do this myself, right? Because that was not yeah. from yeah. anything, but that got us pumped in the moment. For sure. I'm trying to think of others yeah. now. I haven't we should, I mean, all. That merits a whole episode, which we've surprisingly never done in our almost three years of doing this podcast. Um, right. But I think credit scenes are sort of an art unto themselves. Well, like I said, Robbie, I uh, am on the top of the world right now. I was so jazzed up today that I almost posted a story on social media of me just being like, freaking Moon Knight, freaking Doctor <laughs> Strange, like, holy cow, let's go. Like, I was just, I felt the passion just welling up inside me. And I didn't do it, but I should have, first of all. Uh, but second it. of all, um, it's kind of all hitting me because... Like I tweeted a while ago, a lot of good stuff's happening for us and for the MCU, and I'm excited about that. But also, man, we are three weeks away from a movie, Doctor Strange, and we'll do a separate episode on this, so I'm not going to get into it now. <laughs> Here we go. Now get into it. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to get into it now. But uh, this, the excitement level for me is nearing No Way Home levels now. Like the buildup is working, and I think it's my Wanda Maximoff uh, affection as well that. Uh, yeah, I'm no way home levels now. I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm end game levels, but I'm I'm very stoked to see this movie. I'm, I wow. booked my ticket to see it with you, which you know is always a special time. <laughs> I, yeah. I just I'm excited for that. It's just gonna be a lot of fun. That's all. That's my whole point. No, I'm 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 with you. I feel like this one feels like a uh, like Spider Man No Way Home was the first big event movie that that felt like that since Endgame. But I think. That was always sort of its own thing because a lot of the hype around that was more on the Sony side than on the Marvel side, right? Yeah, like true. it was more like, are we going to see Andrew and Toby less than like, what is this going to be for the MCU? And it winds up still having implications. But this to me and Thor feel like the big like, okay, these are like MCU events with our main MCU characters again. You know what and I mean? I think, like it, yeah, and I, and I think for me, because I loved WandaVision so much, you did too, but I think I liked it even more than you, and I like it more than a lot of people. I love that this movie seems like it's following up on my favorite show, you know? Right. Already. Right. But anyways, we need to get into Moon Knight because I also loved Moon Knight. So like I said, I'm just on fire for all of this stuff. Before I we dive it. into Moon Knight, Robbie, can I tell you that I got my TVA shirt from Epic Hero Shop. So oh, next, nice. Next social media video, look out for your boy wearing his TVA shirt. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool shirt, so I'm excited about that. Man, I've got to say, I've been uh, I've been enjoying the, uh, the Epic Hero Shop merch over here just in my personal life, just repping it. Yep. All day and, on the on the weekends. And finally posting two pictures of yourself. Wow. Some of our <laughs> listeners were like, oh my gosh, Robbie does exist. That's how I feel. Finally. <laughs> and by the way, I need to say that Robbie does handle a lot of our social media. So a lot of those posts are him doing it. <laughs> he does exist. But I'm just the one that always puts myself on camera. You never do. And you're an attractive man. As your wife said, I think this is a thirst trap. <laughs> did you see that comment? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Which it was. It was for Thank me. You. That's what I commented. Uh, so we, we need to see a little more of you, but I definitely like seeing you in your Epic Hero Shop merch. And this partnership we've had with Epic Hero Shop has been really, really cool for us because 
It's a great outlet for getting nerd merch. Do I need to say more? It's incredible. Don't forget, you can check out all their stuff. If you go to their website, epicheroshop.com, and you use our promo code, friends from work, all one word, you can save 15% off any of the merch there other than their latest obsession line. But basically everything there, save 15%. Get yourself some cool merch and help support friends from work while you're doing it. Win-win. Or as Michael One Scott thing, said, win, win, win for me arranging <laughs> it as well. <laughs> One thing that... One thing we've really, really tried to do whenever we've partnered with folks is find people that feel like they're creatively aligned with friends from work, which maybe sounds cheesy, but it's like we have tried to, like, we care about this and we care about creating a a certain culture. And it's important to us that we partner with folks that we think are on the same page there. And that's one of the things that's been so fun about Epic Hero Shop is it feels very much like that's what we found in them as a partner. So it's really fun to, the reason we bring them up so much, aside from just having incredible products, is because they're just, it's a great company and it feels like a company run by fans, which is what Friends From Work is. Um, So that's where you will find your solid, bona fide MCU fan merchandise. So, Epic Hero Shop. So, epicheroshop.com, promo code FRIENDSFROMWORK. Do it. Okay, let's get into Moon Knight if I don't literally die from this storm that's about to happen. Wow. Holy smokes, I hope, Robin. I hope I, that you don't. That would really complicate the the plans over the next month. <laughs> I am checking my phone, and it says 70 mile an hour straight line winds, Holy not cow. tornado, but it's 70. So <laughs> this is wild. So here we go, Moon Knight. With, I mean, maybe it feels like Conchu's here right now. Who knows? <laughs> let's get into it. All right, Moon Knight Episode 3, Kyle. It is entitled The Friendly Type. It was directed again by Mohamed Diab. This one was written by Bo DeMaio and Peter Cameron and Sabir Prezada. And I think I saw Jeremy Slater tweet that Bo was the main writer here. And I think he's worked on maybe The Witcher, a few other projects that he listed um, we'll we'll kind of get into some of the some of the writing here, which I was a big fan of. Spoiler: the cast here. We don't have a ton of new introductions. Um, we have the the main folks returning with Oscar Isaac, obviously Ethan Hawke, F. Mary Abraham as Khonshu. We have May Kalamawi and a much larger role this time around um, as Layla, and we had Gaspard Uliel show up here as well. Um, we'll talk about his role here in a bit as we get a little bit further. Obviously, it's it's very sad that he passed away before this ever premiered um, at the age of 37. Crazy. I know. Um, it's super, super sad. It was on a ski accident. Um, and I, I folks may remember those headlines a couple weeks before Moon Knight premiered, but I am excited to talk about his performance here because I thought it was really excellent. That aside... That's our, our cast and crew and creators, so let's jump into this episode that I, it sounds like you're excited to talk about, I'm excited to talk about, I'm also excited because we have not talked about this one at all, so let's get into it. Right. Let me just say, I don't want to start a Moon Knight versus other Disney Plus show conversation, okay? 
Today's not the day. But I okay. just got to say, in general, I am not feeling those peaks and valleys, those dips, like we've talked about in the past with this thus far. Yeah. Like, like quality-wise, it feels like you could argue that episode one, two, or three are the best ones, right? Like, I don't think there's a yeah. crazy outlier that just is no. not working. Anyways, where do you want to start with this thing? Well, one, the craziest thing to me is I still think episode four is my favorite so far. And obviously, we haven't even gotten to that yet. And I've loved all three of the ones we've covered. But I think that's actually the perfect segue because I wanted to talk about that very first scene, but kind of for the reason you were just saying. Um, Folks will remember it opens with Layla. And I just think that this is kind of in a microcosm what I love so much about this show, and I, I don't know if I attribute that to Diab's direction or, or to Jeremy Slater as the, as the creator here um, and head writer, but like, I think this first scene shows you what to me sets this apart from some of the other Disney Plus projects or just some of the other shows like within this genre that we've gotten. We again see how, and I don't want to be, be a broken record here, but how this show kind of masters the economy of storytelling, which I know is a thing I always harp on, but it's like where another show would have given us a flashback of like Layla and her father. And that's kind of like, that's fine. Like it would have shown maybe some scene of her being like playing, played by a child actor and like seeing her dad having some kind of conversation. And that's how we get like a peek into her past. Again, totally fine method here we instead get so many other things in this one scene. Like one, we get more of, of May Kalamaui, which I think she's just really, really compelling in this role. So I like that. But two, we also get this scene that moves along the plot. Like we see the like fake passports being created. We see this conversation where we're finding out not only like where she's heading. So we kind of see what's happening within like the larger story, but we're also getting this background about her father, like the kind of stuff that you would normally get through a flashback. We're getting the interaction that she's having with this woman that knows her father and knows her. Is that her mother? I don't know. I no? don't think so, okay. but maybe I wrote that down. I was curious. Um, okay, that's, a, okay. that, I, that's a good question. Maybe I shouldn't say, I don't, I mean, I, I haven't really, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I feel like we would have gotten some some like clear indication of that, but my my point is like it it does way more than I think the average scene does without feeling overstuffed. It's another example of us learning a lot about Layla without it feeling like an exposition dump. And it's another example of the writing which I think was very good, like these little hints of her past, of where she is now, of what she's planning to do with the direction and the editing again. Like it, it was the the combo of like, did you notice how many shots in that cold open are just of the hands, like stamping the passports, like instead of their faces while they're talking and it's emphasizing the action over just their expression. And I, I just think there were some like, inter- like interesting, notable creative choices there in a scene that I think could have been just kind of a layup, you know, of like, Here's like a little bit of background of Layla before we dive in. And instead it like starts the momentum right from the get-go. And I just think that's something the show has done a really, really good job of doing, to your point, of, of never feeling like it's it's in a lull. 
100%. I'm trying to process why did I think that was her mother? <laughs> I am listening to you, I promise. But I'm thinking... Maybe I, I it thought is. like when you well when you brought up that it shows like her hands and for a while you almost don't know what the other older lady is doing. I kind of perceive that as a funny little twist. Speaking of a scene doing lots of things, of this lady being like, "I don't want you to get hurt. Don't do this, but I'm going to help you because I'm your mother." Like I I don't know. I almost like and then the way she talked about her father made me think that whatever industry she's in was kind of a family business. And it obviously, you know, something happened to her dad. Right. But I don't know. I just perceived that as her mom probably isn't. And then the way she says like bye to her, I don't know. Anyways, I could be so far off on that. That is not yeah. important. But what what is important though, is that something happened to her dad. Right. And that's on this watch. I caught how much they're emphasizing that. And Mark knows about it. Question mark. Right. Well, and hasn't told her. Well, and I think that it's very significant the the kind of like because we're we're hearing at this point that her like we're we've pieced together that her dad's an archaeologist, right? And right. what we know about Mark's background from episode two is that he was involved in a shooting at a dig site. Yeah, and I have a couple of theories but I don't want to share them yet. Cause I don't know if I don't like, I don't want to influence anyone's opinion, but right. I do think that whatever happened to her dad and whatever is happening to Steven and Mark's mother might end up playing a larger role. Is that fair? I think That's that is guessing. fair. And I, and I think the specifics, I'm not going to try to guess right now. Right. And and I, and I want to be careful here because folks that are aware of the Moon Knight character's origin in the comics, I think are probably, there's a lot that the show has done effectively kind of dancing around and remixing things from the comics. And we'll get into some of that in this episode. But I think the origin that they're pointing to at this point feels pretty on point with what's in the comics, but they're setting it up as a mystery here. So I kind of want to be careful to preserve that. So I'll just say... If you're interested in that, we we recorded a, a comics episode where I think we touched on this, but if not, we'll touch on it in our next Comics Corner episode. So visit us over there and we can get into it. Um, and if you've read the comics, obviously you kind of know what I'm dancing around anyway. Uh, friends from Work Plus, shout out. Nice. Um, you, you know, we just had this conversation off air. It's such a weird spot to be. I was just thinking about that. Like, what is our podcast for like what does it exist for because i just told you off air i don't think i want you to tell me that origin story from the comics i think i think i don't like because if, if it is the exact same then i'll find that out later and i don't really want that ruined i think but right. sometimes it adds to it you know for comic people so i don't know it's just a weird spot to be in because I, I i don't want to go too far into it and then learn things that i shouldn't have learned from the show anyways let's move on in the show Man, so we, we go from that first scene with Layla, we get the great uh, Marvel credits roll, and then we come back to, to Ethan Hawke's Arthur Harrow. And I am just like, it's like week to week, I've enjoyed watching this show so much. And it's like, I forget in the six days that passes how much I love Ethan Hawke's performance. <laughs> like, be, I love so Ethan Hawke right now. There's so much focus on Oscar Isaac and it, it actually, by the way, like there are these Instagram ads that, that 
or TikTok ads, however you want to look at it, that Marvel's running, trying to be like super like Gen Z and <laughs> relevant, which I say as we're like also doing Instagram and TikTok. Um, but where they're like, you know, five reasons to watch Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac. And I'm like, yeah, fair. But also like, it's not just Oscar Isaac. Like the other folks in this cast are showing up. And I, so I don't yeah. want, like, I don't want it to be, I, and this is not taking away from Oscar Isaac's performance, which is incredible, but also like May and Ethan are doing like really, really like top tier work here. And I just like Ethan Hawke specifically is quickly becoming one of my favorite villains, I think, ever in the MCU and how compelling yeah. he is to me. Also, none of the side actor concerns like some of the other shows to me. 100%. Everybody, even even the lady who helped with the passport, right, fits perfectly to me. Nothing fell out of place so far. Yeah. Um, so I love Absolutely. that. Regarding Ethan and Oscar, honestly, I've kind of just stopped bringing it up because of our typical rule on these things, which is right. when it's that excellent, <laughs> I'm just not going to bring it up every week and, and sit here and talk about it. But yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And as far as him rising the villain ranks, we obviously need to see how it wraps up. But yeah, sure. I just can't get that stupid press conference thing out of my head where it's like I love watching Ethan be so in control of his character and it's so calm. And he is the one that at times comes off as not crazy. And what a fresh take for the villain. I know. It feels so fresh. And in this episode, it really comes to a head because he wins that court battle just by basically showing that Mark's insane. That's kind of why right. he wins. Which is another instance where it's like, yeah, he's like not really saying anything that's untrue. Right. He is fantastic. He's, he's, he's acting it well, but it is also just a great character. I would love, and I don't even think this is possible, Robbie, but this is a perfect example of a character that I hope, and it won't happen, stays around. I know. Like, I'd rather them not kill him at the end of this series. I'm yeah, afraid it, they're going to. I think they're going to because of the ties to the, like, spiritual Egyptian realm, and I think they're going to kind of close that a little bit. Right. But it does feel like a character that would be fun to have around in other projects at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've thought the same thing because I think, and this is not like dissing anybody else, but but in looking back at the Disney Plus series, like I, I, I get that there's a lot of love for Catherine Hahn's Agatha Harkness. And I love, I mean, we praise Catherine Hahn like up and down through our whole coverage of WandaVision. And I'm excited for her, for her spinoff series. But, like, even then, people question, like, but is that, like, a true villain? You know, like, is, th is that, like, in the role that she had through the show? Like, is that really what that show was getting at? Then you look at, like, Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki and Hawkeye and, like, Jonathan Majors was incredible, but I don't even know that, like, he, to the extent he was a villain, he didn't even have a presence until the final episode. And it was an you incredible performance, but, like... That's a whole different discussion for another day. I mean, that's I'm just thinking about this now. Again, I don't have notes on this, but I was running with the premise that Marvel often kills or imprisons or wraps up the villain in the same project as introduced. As you're going through it, Robbie, and I see what you're saying, but the Disney Plus shows have been a little bit different in that way as far as, like, Kingpin is still out there. R Agatha maybe. is still kind of out there. Yeah, maybe, I guess. Right. Uh, and now, oh, and Jonathan Kang. Majors, 
Kang is definitely out there. So maybe the Disney Plus shows are actually changing the entire argument I was originally starting with. Right. In, I mean, in the end, I in the end, I just don't think there's a way to probably satisfactorily wrap up this Moon Knight story and leaving him out there because of the nature of the spiritualness of the character. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I hear you. And 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 I think like I mean Carly Morgenthau is is killed. Yeah, she died. Yeah. Um, but I think that's re- yeah. I mean and and like. He who remains is killed, but yeah, I mean, I but think he's the not point really is, the villain of that show. I agree with right. that. He's not like the villain, although and he said it, the TVA and they're looking for him the whole time. But he's but not in, in the show to the end. And in him being killed is sort of like that's the unleashing of a whole new villain. And so yeah, I think true, you're, true. I think you're right that Disney Plus is kind of bucking that tradition. But my point there was just like. Not even in Disney Plus, but just in general. Like I, I, I do think the MCU. I, I, this is not me saying I think the MCU has struggled with villains because we've done our fair amount of villain rankings, and I think the MCU, while they've had some duds, have had some really, really great villains. But I just think that like it's a testament to the way this character is crafted and the way that Ethan Hawke is portraying it that it is kind. Uh, like Arthur Harrow is is shooting up the ranks for me for sure post endgame but I think really in general like and just how interesting the character like even the to kind of jump ahead as we're talking about Arthur Harrow like not just the the kind of trial there in the chambers but even the final scene like the the sort of cliffhanger ending where he's talking to the statue of Khonshu is yes. just such an interesting scene because like He's not even, it's not the moment where like everybody leaves and then we find out like this is when he has his evil plan that right. he tells he Sakanchu. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like he's saying the same stuff he's been saying, you know? Right. I actually wrote down his, his line because I thought it was so good. I'm going to do what you could not. Then when it's finished, I want you to remember one thing. Your torment forced me. I owe my victory to you. Man. Because, again, it's kind of flirting with that line of, I get a lot of the stuff that Arthur is doing is bad, but one, Khonshu tormented him, and two, we've seen Khonshu be a little wild, actually, as well. So he's not totally wrong in saying that. That's what I love about it. Oh, yes. It's like, well, and because uh, we see Khonshu be, I mean, we talked about this last episode, but again, in this episode, like the TikTok mark and like he, it's a threatening kind of presence. Yep. Manipulating. Yeah, it is manipulating. And, and, and like, again, Arthur is correct in that like trial, like what you called it, where he is saying, yeah, Khonshu is taking advantage of this unwell man and then whenever they ask mark are you unwell and he says yes i am it's like yeah none of that's not none of that's false that makes me think we're maybe headed for another 10 cloverfield lane type ending that i talked about before which is like you're inspiring me right now thinking about this but i wonder if it's not going to end as clean cut as we're saying where it's like we finally see that arthur is super bad and conchu was right and Mark fulfills his destiny. It almost makes me wonder now if both things are going to be true. Like Mark decides he does have to stop Arthur, but also he needs to get rid of Khonshu. 
Like, could we get to an ending where both die? Because Mark's oh, like, yeah. you're also doing a lot of bad stuff. It's not either or. Both sides are actually chaotic. <laughs> but then there's the question of like, uh, like w- what can't you Does ask he have powers? here? Yeah, I mean, right. because, and, and I, I maybe, I didn't mean to, but I maybe previewed this last episode, but but here, Kanshu explicitly says, yeah, like, how is it going to be for you whenever I'm gone and you don't have the, what he calls, like, the healing power of my armor? That's a good question. Like, as we think about kind of what Moon Knight, like, what that character could look like moving forward in the MCU. But there's some creative things they could do. This is rampant speculation at this point. But maybe Mark in the Moon Knight costume when he slays Conchu or something, like absorbs his power and doesn't need Conchu or something like that. Hmm. Or maybe maybe Moon Knight becomes the new Conchu to somebody else or something. Yeah, there's something they could do. There's something they could do. Well, and I mean, I should say there's some precedent. Like the current run of Moon Knight comics is sort of dealing with a Moon Knight that is apart from Khonshu. But the big difference there is that Moon Knight in the comics doesn't really have the the kind of powers, the like mystical powers that Moon Knight has in the show. Like they're way more leaning into Khonshu gives him actual superpowers. Whereas in the comics, it's more like Khonshu resurrected him and kind of like endowed him with this purpose and this role but that's actually something else that I wrote down. Like, I think that's one of the things that, that makes this episode really interesting is you, we see, like, we get that line and then we see that put into practice. Like, we see all, like, in that scene where where Mark summons the suit and everyone's putting the spears through him and we see, like, the suit dealing with that and, like, healing him and keeping him from from the damage or however you want to think about it. And that is kind of a, like, I I respect that because that's one, a unique take on the character, but also sort of unique in the MCU. Like I was thinking, you know, we don't have a Wolverine or Deadpool currently in the MCU and we don't really have somebody that behaves that way. Like, you know, like for all, for as powerful as certain characters are, whenever they get stabbed and I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody, you know, they get stabbed. And I do think that's kind of an interesting thing where like Mark Spector in and of himself or Stephen Grant or whoever is fully vulnerable and kind of makes me think back to our power levels conversation we had a a month or two ago. But like then whenever he has the suit on, he's, he's not so, he's not like Captain Marvel level and vulnerable at all. Like he's still brought to his knees when they're stabbing him with all the, the spears but he also can recover from that and walk away from it without any damage. Like that's just a, a really interesting kind of power set to give to Moon Knight. And I'm sure that there are like big acolytes of the comics that are just furious about how different it is. Um, but I think it's a really interesting choice and, and I like it. But it also Absolutely. makes me think like minus Khonshu. Yeah, like what does that look like? More Moon Knight. More! More! Kylo Ren style. (laughs) More! After a quick word from these sponsors. Okay, my next three notes here. I just got to bring them up. They're all different. Um, So good to be filming in Jordan, right? 
Like my favorite scenes are when they're actually on location. I love them being in the desert. I think it's cool to be able to utilize the pyramids of Giza in your shots and your B-roll. And I think it's absolutely dope to be filming those scenes, walking through the market stuff, you know, there. Right. Love right. it. Love it. Love the on Agreed. location stuff. Um, on that note, there was another CGI thing that bothered me. Whenever he's up high, I don't know why they didn't just find a rooftop and film it. That's what I can't figure out. Mm. When he's fighting those guys on the rooftops, I'm pretty sure it's CGI in the background, and I don't think it's perfect. And that's what I'm realizing is the CGI that bothers me. It's just those background pieces that you could have done a different way. That's what's frustrating to me. Uh, but it happens also later when he goes outside and goes to the top of that hill. I'm pretty sure that's CGI'd, right? Overlooking the city. Mm. I don't think they actually did that. That's that's so. Fair. Anyways, can can I say though that scene in general CGI aside, I thought it was really fun. It's the first time that we've really gotten to kind of see Mark in action. Really, this whole episode I think was fun for that reason because like we've mostly seen Mark through the eyes of Steven. right? And I like that we spent so much time with him here well, starting with that first with that first scene of him kind of chasing those guys and fighting them. Well, and I don't love you transitioning to the positive right there because that makes it seem like I'm the only one that has the negative with the CGI <laughs> and and here's why actually it's awesome. I liked it too. I really liked it too. To be fair, too. I, I didn't, didn't get, fight you I, on the CGI though. I know, but I didn't get a chance to even finish the sentence about that. Like I also still love those scenes. I'm just pointing out this one tiny detail that's annoying. That's it. Fair. Uh, the, Fair. Don't make it seem like I'm the only bad guy here. I just um, wish that Kyle liked the show. Um, <laughs> it's such a burden to me because he like off off air. He's just texting me like I hate Moon Knight. I'm not excited Stop. to talk about it at all. Some people will believe you. Stop. <laughs> My wife actually just texted me right now because it's Wednesday night and we're recording. She's watching at home and she just texted, I need more in all caps. And that's it. So I think she likes it. Um, the third thought was, okay, this is the first time that some other third personality has been revealed to us, right? I didn't yes, catch that on the yeah. screener for some reason, which is stupid of me. I didn't either, weirdly enough. Isn't that weird? I think at this point I was so kind of lulled into the editing that I thought, oh, they're just switching back and forth. But no, they both are confused who's doing that. And I actually, as a viewer, got confused because there was times where Mark was already Mark and right. then he would get taken over and you would think, oh, here comes Steven. But then Steven would be confused, like, Mark didn't do this, and I didn't do this. And I didn't you know, catch that. And I think that's a little bit of a shout-out to you, by the way, pointing that out in the comics, that it wasn't just the two of them. So it'll be interesting to see, do they dive further into that and point out that there's actually a third person and give him a name in this show, I mean. I know they do in the comics, but in right. the show, do they do that? Or do they just kind of, like, give a nod to the comics, a little shout out by doing that. And we never really come back to that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're going to, because it's so like, like if you look at the cover of the first ever Moon Knight comic, right. like, there's three people, there's, there's three, three people. people. Yeah. And I think that they're going to want to like, they're going to want to play into that. And I think I, it's just crazy that I, I'm totally with you. Like even coming from the comics, I missed that. And I think what I thought in that scene, hopefully people can see how I got here. Because of some of the dialogue with Khonshu, I think I thought that Khonshu himself 
kind of took over Mark's body in that moment. Because there are some lines where he's oh. like, where Mark's kind of like accusing Khonshu and like, but but on this watch, I don't think that's what happened. But I think that's what I thought on the screener watch. And now I was like, oh, wait. And I actually made a point to not look at anything online or in the Slack beforehand because I like to not have this, the, the current watch like tainted. But I watched it and I was like, oh, no, they're like highlighting a third personality. And then I went to the Slack and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, the third personality. Which, you know, then it raises the questions of will, will there be a third suit and, I, I mean, a bunch of other things. But because oh, the, the personality... That, but yeah. The personality, I mean, it, we he comes back to, and he's what, like, slit those guys' throats, right? So, I mean, it's like, it's a notch yeah, up he's even in more violence. Brutal. What the hell's wrong with you, Stephen? Me? You're the one going on a killing spree? I didn't do any of this. Me neither. Listen, if you've got a problem with the body count, I suggest you start listening to that stupid pigeon. Stay out of my way. And that makes me wonder, was Mark ever the one that did that in the first place? Like all that violence that Arthur was throwing on Mark, is it possible that Mark was being taken over by this really ultra-violent Jake or whatever? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Because Mark also doesn't feel like he's a horrible person, you know. Clearly, Mark is willing to do more than Steven is, but we have not seen Mark actually slaughter a bunch of people. Right. Okay, Okay. can I say one thing very quickly about, about Mark on that front? Um, sure, please do. I I thought, like, uh, another thing that I just I really appreciated here, and we talked about this with Daredevil, and it kind of made me think of it, I I loved like the same thing that we we said we liked in Daredevil. Like I liked that in that fight scene, Mark is clearly like an elite fighter. Like he's got like this crazy combat training, but he's still like taking blows. And I just I love that decision because so often in shows like this where they're trying to show someone that's just like such a badass, it's like they just mop the floor. And it almost makes it feel a little bit like untangible. And in the same way that I thought that that kind of made Daredevil feel a little bit more like it had stakes. I feel like that here. Like I like that he, yes, he ultimately is like getting the upper hand against three guys that are also like, you know, seemingly trained in combat, but that like, he's still like struggling. Like he's still like taking blows to the back and stuff. And it just makes it, it adds kind of right. a sense of realism that I think is is refreshing. No doubt. Dude, as you're talking, I'm thinking about it. I think I'm on team Mark hasn't done a lot of the violence. Team wow. Jake did this. I'm, well, th- think about this. Like, Mark, there's a really intentional shot when he's fighting on that rooftop where he's about to punch the kid and then realizes this is a kid. And even Mark has the control in that moment to just right. slap him down. Do you remember that? He intentionally doesn't injure him. And then Mark is horrified when Kanchu makes him hang over the edge to talk and he, and he kills himself. Right. That's true. But, but it doesn't seem like Mark would go from that to actually stabbing them to death with a knife or whatever it is, right? Like we haven't gotten any indication that Mark's willing to go that far. In fact, they consciously showed us that he wasn't willing to go there. So then how did we all of a sudden get from that to... Like, how could this situation have escalated to the point where Mark would stab them all to death? 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. It could be a cool twist that even in the past, some of the mercenaries that were shot in the back of the head, remember that tied up and shot in the back of the head? Maybe that wasn't Mark in the first place. So that's why he's confused about it too. It wasn't Steven either. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that would also be sort of a twist. Right. And maybe that's where he's also realizing he needs even more help than he thought. Maybe that's what leads him to admit it. Because he like, like someone else is also doing something that he's not even aware yeah. of, and n- neither is Steven. Because I, I love that interaction. I'm just theorizing, but no, I mean I, I love that interaction of like that wasn't me. Then who was it? Like, and yeah, you're right. Like maybe that is what's like whenever he's in front of the council, leading him to just kind of break down and say like, yeah, no, I'm not. I am not well. Like because I don't even know what I'm doing at this point. Literally. Right. I kind of love that theory. Could be wrong. There's two other really big things I think we need to talk about. We need to talk about the spiritual side of this, right? In the tomb, the gods taking over the avatars, him talking like Khonshu, all that stuff. We'll get into that in one second. My other big takeaway, though, from this episode, besides this introduction of another personality and besides Layla being awesome, is the empowerment of Steven. Because I think the whole yeah. first two episodes are, are, are to show you that Steven is this nerd goofball that's worthless and Mark just needs to get him out of the way and then Mark can do his thing and I'll go away. I love that twice in this episode, Mark needs Steven and Layla is convincing Mark that he needs Steven. I love that more where it's like, Mark's okay, go ahead, Steven. You know the Egyptian stuff way better than I do, you know? And then Steven's excited to do it. I love that Steven's so excited to be in Egypt because he's come so far from his gift shop days. But yeah, Twice, Mark has to give it over to Steven because he can't do it. And that's a fun little twist. Steven is no longer worthless. Well, and I and I wrote down one thing that I love is like and and this you could ex- you could extrapolate from what we've gotten in prior episodes, but just the way that it's made explicit that like Steven has access to information that Mark literally cannot access. And I think that's just fascinating, like as an illustration of these multiple identities that like, obviously there's the accent and there's the fact that like Mark has all the like fighting skills. And we had that line from Steven where he's like, well, you can do it. So like technically I can do it as well. But I like that like that is how different, like how separate they are that Mark has like he's looking at something and he's like, I have no idea what this is. So I have to hand this off to another personality that's like fluent in, in hieroglyphics. Uh, like, I just think that's a really, right. that's like a, maybe a subtle thing, but I thought it was a really interesting point to make there. It's like shout out nerds, right? Nerd power. That right. The big tough guy needs the hieroglyphics translator nerd. Yeah. Guy. I love it. Um, also, by the way, shout out to Marvel getting another freaking baseball hat undercover scene in, in the show. I saw every, that. You've seen those memes? Like every yeah. time, it's, it, I, I love that they're aware of it in Ant-Man, right? It's like, we're not undercover. We're just ourselves at a baseball game. <laughs> and here we are again. He's walking through the black market. He just puts a hat on as if that that's now all the cover he needs. <laughs> but I did I did notice is there like there's like a subtle like crescent shape on the on the baseball cap, right? Oh, was there? I don't know. I just laughed at the hat. <laughs> well, I say that because normally it's a it's a fully blank hat 
And I kind of appreciated the move of like, it's still a mostly blank hat, but like, here's like a little crescent shape for Moon Knight. We'd have to, we'd have to count all the movies that do that. I know it happens in Ant-Man. It definitely happens in Winter Soldier when Captain America's on the run. Tony does it a couple times for sure. I'd have to look at Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. (laughs) Now here in Moon Knight. Yeah. Oh, honestly, even Wanda wears a baseball hat to be undercover. (laughs) What is that? Oh, true. When is she wearing uh, a baseball hat? She's wearing a baseball hat somewhere. Is that in Shoot, WandaVision? We'll have to go back and look at that. She I wears the hood maybe. in WandaVision. The hood, okay. Oh, ooh, there's a twist Maybe it, it is Civil War with Wanda. I love it. We'll have to go back and look that up. Okay, then the other side of this all, though, is let's just talk a little bit more about what's happening with these gods. Like, what's your takeaway from that entire sequence? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting introduction to kind of a whole new, like, it's it's sort of Shang-Chi-esque, right? And that it's introducing us to this whole new kind of plane of existence. Right, and that's what I mean. First off, I just wanted to say, like, there was a moment where they're, they're walking in and Steven's so excited because they're inside the Pyramid of Giza. And I just thought the combination of the set design there and the music was just so dope. Like it was such yeah, a yes. cool scene. Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 There are a couple. There are a couple. Uh, there are a couple people we're gonna get to talk to uh, here before too long. And oh, teaser! Wow. And I'm excited for. Uh, I'm excited to have those conversations, and then I'm obviously excited to share those conversations. But I just thought that scene was really fun. Right. And that's why my tangent about the CGI is important. Like if we didn't have visuals of them actually building the coolest sets ever and going on location to film, then I wouldn't chastise the CGI as much, you know, when they actually then fill in some of the gaps of CGI and it's not great. It feels lazy almost because we get the exact opposite. Like how cool this can look. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. And we get like the cool, like I feel like the entire boat ride uh, in Cairo, is it Cairo? I think they're in Cairo. I think so. That entire sequence all the way up to that fight felt so cool. So if that was CGI'd, that's unbelievable CGI. I think it was probably shot on location. And so that's, again, when you get such elite set pieces and stage design and locations, don't fall back on CGI for me. Anyways, back to the tomb. So cool. Very fair shout out. Very Eternals almost-esque. Did yeah. you catch that line where they talk about they didn't want to interfere with humans and that's the reason they're pissed at Conchu is that he does stuff that the humans can perceive, a.k.a. Right. the consequences of moving the night sky back, which looked amazing. And, right. and when Conchu created the eclipse during the day, uh-huh. that's like breaking their rules. I just thought that was interesting. So... I'm not sure fully what their role is. If to not interfere with humans, I guess it's just to kind of exist on a different plane and just hang out. I'm not being funny. I don't know no, what no, their I mean, mission I, was. I do think like, and they allude to this, I, I think in the comics, um, and again, I mean, the Moon Knight comics are kind of all over the place and there are people out there that are much more well-versed in them than I am. But I do think that there's sort of this like, otherworldly dimension, this void where these Egyptian gods reside. And that, I mean, I think we talked about this. That's why the avatars are necessary. But yeah, I thought that was like a really interesting take this, like the, the, 
it seems like the main concerns are non-interference and sort of non-visibility. Like we we decided collectively, and, and, and that's kind of cool because it makes sense why these these Egyptian gods had such a presence in, you know, like in the times of ancient Egypt and don't now um, because they kind of made the choice to. But I do think that it feels like a, de- a deliberate choice and it almost makes me think of like Black Panther where it's like set up as such a deliberate choice to to kind of withdraw that I'm like, is this going to end with the opposite conclusion? Like with even though Khonshu, like we ended this episode with Khonshu being imprisoned, is there going to be some kind of move where now it's recognized that there is a place for these beings that were deified by Egyptians, a, a, a place for them to now kind of interact. Right. And the gods that they are avataring for clearly have their own personalities and takes two. For example, that girl who was the god of music and love had right. like a relationship with Khonshu, I guess. But then the girl, the avatar herself, felt compelled to help Mark as right. well. I just thought that's an interesting dynamic. Like, again, I don't know how that's all going to come to a head. Like, I would imagine she's going to get chastised for interfering with Mark now. You know, is it going to start a Egyptian god war amongst them almost? Yeah, well, and and how is like the Ahmet Harrow dynamic going to play into all of that? Right, and why are all the other gods so concerned about Ahmet? Like, she was the only crazy one, I guess? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's what he's accusing them of is that Harrow's trying to dig up her grave as if that's right. horrible. Although they're all gods that are existing with Avatar. So how horrible is it? I guess she's just that much more powerful. Well, or that much more dangerous. You know, like we got we got more backstory there, which I thought was really was really well done. And again, well delivered. I'm gonna stop talking about how well they do exposition here. Um, that's the I thing is I'm, I'm moving off. <laughs> I'm moving um, off it already because otherwise I'd say it every scene. Yes. I, I liked know. the scene. I get it. <laughs> they um, did a good job. But, but I did, but I, I just liked, like, I noticed this time, um, more than when we watched the first time, like the, the way they're kind of laying out the story with Ahmed and, and the way the, the way that her, her tomb was hidden even from the gods and only this one like Magi was aware of it and why they're kind of chasing down that sarcophagus. Like, I don't, I think that that was a little bit lost on me whenever I was binging through all four of these before, but I actually think they do a really good job of like, of laying out the Indiana Jones of it all. Like why we're on this hunt, what we're looking for, what it means, like, it's uh, and, and I do think we haven't said this yet, but this episode and next episode are for sure where all of the Indiana Jones comments came from in those early reviews. Because right. I think people watching the first two episodes are probably like, "Why did people compare this so much to Indiana Jones?" Uh, but this is for right. sure where we where we hit that. They're on a desert-filled archaeological mission, and even the side mission of finding the sarcophagus feels Indiana Jones to me. I think right. that's where that came from, no doubt. Um, I just have like three or four random rapid fire things that don't fit in any order, okay? One, I thought it was interesting that Mark says, 
again, that he thought he had all of this DID stuff under control until recently. He says that to Layla again about right. Steven, like regarding Steven. Finding out what happened to create this DID and if it was born out of trauma and who was the host originally, like who was the first person, is on the top of my Moon Knight priority list. That's mm. one of the things I hope they explore the most is yeah. the origin of this event or this personality or however it was formed. I want more info on that. Did you catch the Madripoor reference? Yes, that was one of the small things I was gonna I was gonna shout out. And and I also wanted to say in that same that boat scene you shouted out earlier, one, I just like the kind of subtle but effective way that that shows us a, a bit of Layla and Mark's dynamic and their relationship whenever the guard's kind of down. But yeah, what what do you make of that Madripoor comment once they're there? I don't think the specific event they are talking about is as important as the fact that I just think it's cool that they're giving us some MCU tie-ins because to this point, we've gotten very little tie-in to how this exists. That's so true. even just mentioning that is enough for me to be centered kind of in MCU world. I don't need tons of it. I like that it's a standalone show thus far. But for those of you who are wondering what the heck we're talking about, it's an obvious thing if you've watched all the shows, but Madripoor is where they go. It's the city they go to in the Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, do you think that they're referring to a bigger event from Magipur that we're going to find out about? Or do you think it was just that Acer egg? I, I kind of think that, I, I don't think it's going to be like necessarily a pivotal thing, but it feels a little bit like something that they're going to at least follow up on just because of the way it was. Like, I, I feel like otherwise they would have made another comment about it to kind of like explain what happened in Madripoor. Cause it's like, he's going to be interested to talk to you after what happened to Madripoor. And I feel like, I mean, maybe, maybe not, maybe it's just showing that she kind of like, maybe all we're supposed to take away is that Layla hangs out and kind of these outlaw communities. And that's enough. Right. Well, and, and I kind of perceived it as they could have thrown in any city, like after he tells you what happened in Vegas, <laughs> right. But, right. But, right. But Madripoor was the MCU tie in. And we know from other shows, Magipur has a connotation. So I think that's why they used it. I don't think it's much more important than that, I'm guessing. I think they used it because we know, okay, that's a sketchy place where stuff can go down. We saw that. And by the way, I'm totally team Magipur. Just in the fact that not only does it anchor us to the MCU, but I love that it's this underdeveloped, mysterious city where sketchy yeah. stuff goes on. And we don't know that much about it. Like that's... They could tell a lot of stories regarding Madripoor, and I would be into it. Well, and just so you know, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but there's a big comics connection between Madripoor and Wolverine. So I, I think that that could be a really fun, a fun place to. Not, I don't think that's where they would they would kind of launch Wolverine. Like I don't think that would be a launch pad, but I think it would be a fun thing to connect him to, since we really haven't delved into that a ton, like you said. Right. I really just have two more things to hit here uh, very quickly. Um, one, like I previewed at the at the top here, I did just want to say again, like I, I thought that Gaspar Uliel's part here was was really well played. Like I, I thought it was like a notable addition. Like it was one of those things where like in, in shows like this, like as you get, as you look back on like the Indiana Jones movies and how much of it is kind of him going to different places and meeting with different people, those people that 
that he meets with kind of become memorable interactions depending on how the the person portraying that character portrays that character. And I I got to this point um, whenever we're watching the screeners kind of having forgotten some of those headlines. And I remember being like, oh man, like this is kind of an interesting, like I, I like this character. And then it kind of struck me um, who it was I was watching. So I just wanted to take the time again to say like I, I it is as always a, a tragedy when there's a loss like that. No doubt. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out that is uh, less heavy is there's I've seen some chatter more so like in some of these early reviews about some frustration with the lack of the Moon Knight suit, like the actual character showing up very often in the show. And I, I just kind of disagree. Like, I, I think that at this point, one, we've gotten like a couple of, of like, we got the solid reveal at the end of episode one. We got both Mr. Knight and Moon Knight in episode two. We got another little Mr. Knight shout out, but a lot of, of Moon Knight here in episode three there in that fight at the end. But to me, <laughs> by the way, like, the Mr. Knight thing was funny. <laughs> I know. I thought it was really like, okay, funny. Okay. Take it back. Take yep. it back. Take it back. <laughs> But but also, like, I kind of appreciate, like, I think they've done it the exact right amount because it it keeps it fresh to where I'm always anticipating it and it always feels epic when it happens. And Oscar Isaac wanted to make the show about a character study and that's harder to do in the suit. It should be pointed out. Right. That's that's true. But but although I did like the the moments where we kind of hear Mark speaking through the suit to Layla. To, like I feel like that's one of the sure. first times we've kind of gotten that element. Like it's always sort of seemed like when Mark was suited up, he was kind of silent and stoic. And so it's nice seeing the personality come through. But I just, I hear what people are saying, but. It seems like people are always dissatisfied with something. I mean, I want people to have their own opinions. That's fine. But no, if you're mad that you haven't got enough suit time yet, you're probably grasping at straws. You're, listen, you're Kyle, listen, here. until we get more of the Snyderverse, <laughs> Spider-Man 4, Stop. directed by Sam Raimi, The Amazing Spider-Man Spider 3, 3, directed <laughs> by Mark Webb, I will, I will not PlayStation rest. Spider game. Will not rest. <laughs> A PlayStation Spider-Man game that's not total crap. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, yeah. Until I, they reverse everything I'm that done. happened I'm in The Last Jedi, I'm not watching <laughs> anything else. Um, my only other thought on that, by the way, is it was a pretty cool action sequence. Those moonerangs, shout out Camo. Yeah. Moonerangs. Uh, I mean, kind of dope, right? The flying in with the with yeah. the cape, you know, floating out or whatever. Pretty cool. Pretty. I mean, and I'm yeah. just gonna say, pretty cool. My question to you no, is, it was fun. Do you think that is a CGI'd suit or is he not wearing a suit? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because after our first episode where I sort of I said that I was hoping that there was a real suit, um, Greg, shout out Greg, uh, did send me the pictures of the actual costume that's been constructed, which again right. is he wearing more it right on now? that later. Um I think so. Like I, I think I don't know. I mean, I don't, because it is, it is, it's confusing, right? Because like, even like, if you look at Spider-Man, which ostensibly takes even less CGI in terms of the suit itself, we see some set photos of Tom wearing the suit 
and some photos of him wearing the the straight mocap stuff and jumping around. But I think I think that like I like to think that it's a suit and then they're CGIing the kind of stuff around it because I feel like the the Tom Holland stuff they only fully CGI'd the right like the the Iron Spider right. Infinity War suit, right? I think it is a suit that they're CGIing, yeah, the eyes and stuff. I think I'd be a little bit disappointed if it's not. Like when we get the behind the scenes, the assembled thing, if he's wearing all dots, I think I'd be like, man, why not put on the actual yeah. suit? But then I'm thinking to myself, if it's the actual suit, should it feel a little more tangible than it does? Like it's like, why am I asking this question? Shouldn't I know? Or maybe yeah. just the CGI is actually good. I don't know. It's hard. I feel like with it's, Spider-Man, well, you can tell. The Iron Spider suit looks to me, obviously, CGI'd. Not always bad, but, but I can tell. But still great. Yeah, yeah the, but, but then I, his other suit, yeah. like the Stark suit, I think he's wearing it, and you can kind of, like, I, I should be able to feel some practicalness here. But again, he might be wearing the costume, and they're just, like you're saying, adding effects to, like, the way he kicks and stuff that makes me and question And making it. it feel kind of, like, ethereal. Yes, like mystical almost. Which I... Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things that I'm kind of just curious about moving forward, and maybe this is a good place to end this conversation as we're halfway through the series. We talked a lot leading up to this about Daredevil, and then there's been a lot of talk about Midnight Suns and kind of what Moon Knight's role will be in the MCU going forward. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on that because it, it, there's no reason to, to really go into that until we get to the end of the of the series or of the season, however that may unfold. But I do think it's interesting to think about what it would look like to put this character in like a, a street level New York. And I do wonder if future incarnations are a little bit more practical, a little bit less mystical in the presentation, even if the power set remains the same. Like, if it's just, like, a little bit less, like, glowy. But, like I've said a hundred times, let's wait before we get into that. Because for sure. For maybe sure. he'll get rid of the mystical side somehow at the end of the series. And then it will make sense that his new suit is just practical version of it. That's Potentially. True. I'm just saying we don't know that yet. So let's get into that in, like, four weeks. No, fair, fair. Three weeks. Whatever it is. All I know is this <laughs> is wrapping up the same week as Doctor Strange. What are we doing, Marvel? What are we doing? Could we not Come have on, started the show two weeks earlier? Did it have to start on March 30th? Could it not have started on March 16th? Because then we could actually like fully invest in the Moon Knight finale and then lay the groundwork for Doctor Strange and shift gears. Why does the finale have to come out the exact same day or one day before as Doctor Strange? The finale is going to get overshadowed by the fact that we're watching Doctor Strange on Monday of that week. And so is all I, the press. I did have I did have one question for you, kind of akin to the Thor Doctor Strange question you raised earlier. Do you think do you think it at some point like are are they are is Marvel lulling us into a false sense of security here? And at some point, the finale and the film are going to actually sync up. That's what I was trying to say to Annika. Like, this doubly doesn't make sense. Because if you look at their history, 
it only makes it worse. Let's, let's just go back for one second, Robbie, really quickly. Loki and Black Widow came out. They had nothing to do with each other, no tie-in right. whatsoever. But that was explainable because Black Widow had been so delayed right. because of the pandemic. Then we fast forward. They did the exact same thing with Hawkeye and Spider-Man, and that was explainable because Hawkeye had to be at Christmas is what they were trying to do. But again, they then didn't tie those together. How is this one explainable? Like, why couldn't they have started this two weeks ago? Right. Well, and by the way, like like we brought up with Matt on on an episode a couple of weeks ago, I still think that there was a way Hawkeye could have really easily just lip serviced No Way Home. So, like, For sure. I think that's what's so strange. Like, you have these layups where it's like, okay, you're going to release these things in tandem. Like, make something of it. Like, don't make – it's so strange to have – one show have a finale the same week that another massive movie is coming out and have each project just pretend that the other ones never existed. <laughs> right. So either separate them or make them a little bit tied, not even tied. Like you said, a shout out would work. Maybe, maybe some of Arthur Harrow's purple magic is going to end up being a multiversal thing. <laughs> like we saw in Spider-Man, the same purple. Hey, maybe Stephen Grant shows up in, uh, in one of the multiverse iterations. Hey, you never know. Find out next week when we talk about Moon Knight episode four, which That's Robbie, right. we'll have I can't all wait. The, all the answers next week. All the answers. I can't wait to actually see episode four next week. As we said, I haven't seen it yet. So, so for me, this was another let's go plus or a let's freaking go minus. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, the quality has been really consistent. It's living right there for me in that A minus range. I think some of the CGI concerns keep it from being an A or an A plus, but it's been very, very good. Let's freaking go minus or let's go plus. Yeah, so I think I'm right there with you. I'm I'm tempted at this point to just give it a let's freaking go. And I know we've talked about not passing those out willy-nilly, but to your point earlier, like I was watching this and I was just thinking, this is so consistently excellent like I'm not saying it's perfect but it's pretty it's as close to me as anything we've we've gotten uh from Disney plus so I I'm, I think I'm gonna stick with you I'm gonna go let's freaking go minus but it's it's edging it's edging there towards let's freaking go and I think like if this if this series is to take another downturn and like I said before, I really loved episode four, so I, I know that it's not in the immediate. I think we're going to start hearing some uh, some let's freaking goes from your old pal, Rob. Holy cow, I can't wait. We're also ramping up for Doctor Strange. You and I are putting plans together behind the scenes to make the Doctor Strange experience as special as possible. And believe me, it's going to be, especially for you and I <laughs> watching it together, recording together, just like yes. Spider-Man days all over again going to be so much fun. So this is the time to get going, guys. We're going. We're going. Catch up on our Moon Knight episodes that are already out, episode one, two, and three now, and start catching up on some of our prep for Doctor Strange. We'll, we will be releasing some bonus episodes regarding Doctor Strange. There's a lot mm -hmm. coming here. This is a good time to follow us on social media at the FFW Podcast. We try to answer all messages on there. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we have a website, the FFWpodcast.com, where you can get some dope Friends From Work merch. Do you want to look cool and want to fit in with other people? Wear your Friends From Work merch. That's horribly yep. 
shallow and and not true, but you know what I mean. It's it's comfortable <laughs> and, and good. Uh, there's also other great links on there. Contact form, donate, links to our Slack, links to our Patreon, FFW+. All kinds of good info on the FFWpodcast.com. And don't forget, get your other dope merch, your other nerd merch from EpicHeroShop.com and use your promo code FRIENDSFROMWORK. We love you guys so much. We're going to be cranking out content over the next month, and we're so happy that you are here joining us for that. And so... From the bottom of our hearts, thank you, and we will see you next time on Friends from Work.